0: You may know that Emily and I are in the process of moving halfway across the country. And while we're doing that, we're going to ask you to bear with us while we look back at some episodes from past months and years of the grand life that we think have particular staying power, particular relevance, even today, beginning with one called the gun talk.
1: I'm Emily Morgan
0: and I'm Mike Morgan.
1: And in this episode, I just wanted to mention to you that I don't think the whole situation with guns has actually improved at all.
0: It's hard to hear headline after headline, month after month, that people are still getting shot.
1: Yeah, but what hasn't changed as well is that conversations about guns need to be taking place, and that's what this episode is all about. In today's episode, I talk with Chandra White Cummings and her son, Jordan, about the issue of guns in the home. Chandra is a freelance writer and editor and mother of two adult sons. She often writes about black mental health issues, colorism, and how to raise resilient sons.
2: I am the mother of two adult sons, young adult sons. Uh, And one of them is on the podcast with me today, Great, uh, Jordan. So we're going to kind of tell in a joint fashion, our story um, and our journey as it relates to firearms um, in the home. And um, I'm not a grandparent, but it's just such an interesting story, I think, because it's me, it's him who's, um, like I just said, a young adult. And um, we've sort of had an evolution about this whole subject.
1: Since I don't really know the story yet, and Jordan, welcome to the podcast as well.
3: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Um, Why don't you go ahead, Chandra, and start to tell the story, and you guys can kind of do that together. And if I have any questions, I'll just kind of chime in.
2: Our story kind of starts from a couple years back when I found out by accident <laughs> that Jordan had a, a gun in the house and I didn't realize it. Um, do you remember when that happened, Jordan?
3: Um, I do. I just don't
2: remember how you found out. Right. I think we were having a conversation about something else. And somehow it came up um, that there you know, uh, was a gun because we were talking about how uh, things have changed and people are more aggressive and, you know, people, um, certainly seem less inhibited to get violent, um, or, you know, Ah. certainly to get aggressive. And we were talking about, um, I was saying, I think the fact that, you know, I was like, man, people just, they're just out there these days, you know, and everybody's got guns and, and then that's how it kind of started. And so you made a comment back something to the effect of, Well, Mm. what's wrong with that? You know. Then so it kind of of went from there, and I'm thinking, what? Wait. (laughs)
1: Um, So
2: that that's how it started, and um, after that, it was it was tense. It was a tense subject.
1: Jordan was in his early twenties, living at home with his mom and his older brother.
3: I definitely remember us having a heated conversation about it, um, and you know, it got to the point where. Me personally I felt like you might have been hedging at me getting rid of it or you know and I felt compelled about my reasons for having it so yeah we definitely had our battles about that
1: <laughs> And Chandra you were pretty upset that you found out that he had a gun in the house
2: Uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> It was because I'm just you know I did not grow up with that you know okay. nobody in my family um it, it just was unheard of, you know, it was never even a conversation um or consideration. And for my family of origin, guns were associated with people who needed guns because they were in trouble, mm. you know, or because mm-hmm. they lived that kind of lifestyle. And so naturally when Jordan and I first started talking about it, that's the that's the perspective I brought into our conversation. Mm. Um, that, wait, why do you need a gun? Like, because guns are for these kind of people. Um, and furthermore, how do I not know that you have a gun? You know, so there were two, two, um, I think, triggers for me going into those initial conversations that really served to just hype up, like Jordan said, the emotional level.
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah. So what were some of the questions that you had for him about the
2: gun? <laughs> Well, I wanted to know where he got it, how he obtained it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know if he had registered it, if he had gotten any kind of training on how to use it. Mm-hmm. And what brought him to the place that he felt like it was a good thing to do. Mm. Then another thought that I was throwing out to him, and you'll probably remember this, Jordan, is that remember I kept saying but you're putting everybody in the house at risk. Like maybe you have some personal reasons for having a weapon, but you live with two other people uh-huh. because I have an older son who has a partial disability; he's in a wheelchair. Mm. So I just kept thinking, you know, this, this just doesn't sound like safe.
1: Yeah. I would like to know from both of your perspectives, what were both of you each afraid of Jordan? What were you afraid of and why did you have a gun? Was it out of fear?
3: Um, It was a combination because um around that time, like shortly before that, um I was involved in some situations that my life has you know was threatened. Um okay. You know, it it wasn't uncommon, but it wasn't common at the same time. Like it's not like you know, all the time like I would my life was being threatened, but it had been a couple of situations where it was starting to uh different situations were starting to escalate. So Mm. the main thing was I was concerned for my own safety. But it just had me thinking that at the same time, well, my life could be in danger but as well as my family. So I'd rather have protection, if need be, than not have it.
1: Yeah. And Chandra, what was your fear having a gun in the house?
2: Um, really, my fear and concern, if I remember correctly, revolved around what is happening that you need it. Mm. Um, because I remember thinking, I probably I think I said this to him too. I said, Well, what whatever the situations were in which you felt your life was threatened, isn't it possible that those situations could migrate? And so now we can have a situation at the house where maybe you feel threatened or someone is threatening you, but now it's it's a thing where the whole family could be involved or the whole family mm. could be at risk because you don't live alone. Yeah. And so that's really where I kept coming from, you know? And so that's when we kept butting heads because as he just explained, he, he thought he was, he was thinking of the whole family. You know, he felt like he was trying to be protective and um, have a way to deal with the situation. Should it crop up? Mm -hmm. So that, you know, it's funny because we had a similar concern, but we came out in different ways of addressing it. Yeah. Uh Yeah.
1: That is fascinating. Is that the crux of the story or is there something beyond that? I asked that question because this is a story about guns in the home. And when you hear these in the media, often there's some awful or tragic event that punctuates the story. But this time, well, not really. The key to this story and the lesson we can apply as grandparents is not what happened with the firearm. It's what happened within the family.
2: You want to kind of bring her up to speed, Jordan? Yeah.
3: My lifestyle at that point um, was I was very much into the streets. Mm. Just a lot of things that I was involved in could be a potential danger to my my own life. Mm. I felt, you know, very compelled to go ahead and have some protection. Um, And the thing with that is, is yes, I I primarily was concerned for myself, but it was more so that it just was an added benefit in terms of um, protecting my family as well. When I, when I got the gun, you know, the the reason I didn't say anything to my mom was that primary reason was because I wasn't sure that she was going to approve of that.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And how did that play out?
3: Well, actually, so I actually have I've had two guns. So I had the first one, you know, the one we're talking about now, and then I have a current one that I just recently bought, maybe a month or two ago. Outside of my mother's wishes, I kept it around, um, you know, in my car, or sometimes I still kept it in the house. But most of the time, I just kept it in 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 my car. I had a car at that time, Um, so at least it was out of the house. But I still felt like I couldn't just get rid of it
1: so it wasn't stored in like a gun cabinet or anything it was just like what do they call that packing heat in your car
3: <laughs> pretty yeah. much pretty much it was it was in a <laughs> uh, one of the um you know the cases yeah
1: yeah yeah so so have you ever had occasion to use it or you just use it as a as some kind of like security that you know you have it if you need to
3: um i have had to use a gun um but not like just straight up you know, like violence, but like not an initiator. Uh Uh-huh. But I I have I have I have had a fire gun.
1: How do you feel about that, Chandra?
2: Um I think that, you know, part of what happened the first round with the weapon was that I came to that place that parents often do. Um when an issue surfaces that brings up problems or challenges of control, um, issues of who really has the final say in something
1: mm-hmm.
2: when, um, you're dealing with adults who are living in a home, but you still got a parent, you know, son or daughter relationship, um, it can get very complex. So in the end, I had to find a way to be able to just keep going and not a completely be consumed by fear and b. Um, not be completely just where I could not deal with my son.
1: Yeah,
2: Um, I decided that at that time he needed to manage whatever it was he was doing, but he needed to sort of manage his way away from it. Hmm. (laughs) And so as it turned out, that's what happened. He managed himself away from it. And so that's the, that's like the great part of the story to me is that, when that happened and the issue of another weapon came around, initially, you know, I was thinking, oh, man, you know, are we still in that place where, you know, yeah. he feels that he needs a weapon? But this time the conversation, it started off a little rough because we were both dealing with those same kind of like triggers. Yeah. But then, um, you know, I said to him, I said, okay, wait, let's just, every, let's just both just calm down. Let's just bring it down so that we can have an adult to adult conversation. And neither one of us has to sort of fall back and default to those like, I'm the parent, you got to listen to me. Or I'm an adult, I'm a son, but I'm an adult, you know, so you need to listen to me too. So we ended up, um, we sat in the car in our parking lot and we just talked it out. We hashed it out. He explained to me. Um, you know, that it's not a situation now where, you know, he fears for his life or anything. He he believes, he still believes that it's a good means of protection because, for lack of a better, more elegant way to say it, you know, people are getting crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I hear you. And so I thought, you know what? I ha- I don't necessarily like the reality, but I have to admit, it kind of makes sense. It really kind of makes sense. And he, he was you know, being responsible about it. He knew how to register it because he registered the other one. Um, He was going to, you know, do some brush up training. Um, He was going to do everything that he needed to do to be a responsible gun owner. We talked about where, you know, in the house he could keep it. Um, And now, believe it or not, Emily, we're actually at the point where eventually I'm going to go to the range and learn how to shoot. Because he said to me, he said, you know, with you and Brandon, when you and Brandon are here by yourself, it's not, the gun is not going to help us if you don't know how to use it.
1: And that's true. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I I like what you're saying about the dialogue because, you know, a lot of people listening to this might be like, what does this have to do with grandparents? But I think it has a lot to do with that because a lot of grandparents have guns in their home. Um, I know my, I had one set of grandparents. I knew they had guns. My grandfather used it for hunting and we didn't, talk about that but because it is getting crazy like you said it's kind of an important conversation to have with your own parents so if you're an adult child you have grandchildren you have your own children and you're bringing your grandchildren to your parents house um i mean don't you think that conversation needs to happen
2: uh i'm going to speak for myself and let jordan give his opinion once i'm done okay but i think absolutely because truly in my opinion, honest, calm—as calm as you could be—because we know it's going to be an emotional subject. Discussion is really what saved it um, for us, because you—it's—it's it's too important of a subject to just kind of seal it off with stony silence, hmm. um, or that kind of—or—or or like I said, everybody defaulting to their sort of role in the thing. You know, the grandparents kind of just pulling rank on everybody and saying, look, uh, this is, you know, our house or, you know, whatever the, or the parents pulling rank and saying it's our house. Yeah. I know it could get really complicated because what if a, what if an adult child who now is a parent says to a grandparent, their parents, my kids can't come over there. Right. You know, if, if you're going to have a weapon in the house, um, that's when it gets kind of serious.
1: Yeah, we're talking about estrangement. We're talking about we're never coming over here again unless you get rid of your gun. And I don't know that uh, grandparents, some grandparents, that would be a hard choice for them. They feel, and Jordan, you can speak to this, they feel strongly about having a gun.
3: Yeah. So
1: what do you do about that?
3: I definitely agree. Um, dialogue is one of the most important aspects of it because, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, that, that's how anything should be taken care of with with the proper amount of dialogue because yeah because if you if you have a gun but you don't know how to use it or you don't you haven't taken those proper precautions um so that everyone is on the same page then that's where things happen if you were to get to the point where everybody is in accord okay now you deal with logistics so okay where are we going to keep it who has access to it you know um if a situation were to arise dot 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 what would happen And, and and on a side subject these things allow for better relationships like it's not just about the guns but like they open up relationships like when me and my mother had those conversations yes they were heated at times but at the end of the day it made the relationship stronger because it built trust when you don't have trust you can't you, you can't really move forward yeah that's you know? a
1: really good point and uh chandra i i understand your fear because as a as a mother, I would like if I think about um, my grandchildren and them going to an aunt and uncle's house or some other place where there's a gun. I guess I would feel very protective and very much like uh, I need to have a dialogue with these people, whoever they are, my own children, adult children, perhaps, and say, uh, "What are you doing about this gun? What are you? Where is it? Where are you storing it? What if my grandchild, you know?" gets into it, because you hear about that. I mean, it's not like it never happens where a child picks up a gun and because it hasn't been properly um, stored or taken care of, they shoot it.
2: That's scary. It is. um, And I knew that I was dealing with, again, two adults. But even with that, there's always going to be safety issues when you have something in your home that is potentially lethal. Right. Right. It it really kind of doesn't matter what it is. If that's a characteristic of that item, then all of these things that Jordan and I are saying, in my opinion, really need to come to bear because that's how important it is. Yeah. When you have younger children, you know, you're dealing with younger children um, that either live in a home or are going to certainly be expected to be frequenting that home, Mm -hmm. then the need for dialogue. And the content of the dialogue matters as well. So people need to you know, understand that, okay, what are the things you should be talking about? Um, and Jordan went through some of them earlier. Where is this going to be? Mm-hmm. Are there areas of compromise here? What exactly is the weapon for? Um, are people hunting? Is it recreational? Is it strictly protection? Um, you know, all of those kinds of things because they matter and they can help ease people's Um, fears and they can help answer questions that people have that will make the situation more acceptable um, to everybody concerned, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it absolutely does. And when you were saying that about lethal things, there are there are medicine cabinets, there are poisonous things in your kitchen that children can get to. Mm-hmm. All of those things are things that I think an adult child who's bringing a grandchild over to a grandparent's house who might be staying overnight or staying the week or whatever might need to have a conversation about. Like, I want to make sure my, my little boy will get in anything. So I want to make sure he's not getting into that because it's, again, it's it's not a gun, but it's lethal.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. And I also want to yes. add that, um, you know, when I'm online, sometimes I see, you know, parents training their young kids um, how to handle weapons. And I totally agree with that, like, because that also mitigates a lot of the issues, you know, with having young, young children in the home. I've seen some parents even training their kids at like, like six, seven. And I think that's important as well, because knowledge is power. If you know what to do, then most likely a lot of times you're not gonna do what's wrong.
1: Right. You wouldn't necessarily play with it if if you thought you knew the power behind a gun, exactly. as opposed to a exactly. six year old who doesn't know and just plays with it. Um, right. they you would know, know.
3: Sitting them down, you know, saying, hey, this is this is serious. This is serious. You know, yeah. you don't you don't want to mess with this, but you need to know how to operate it. Right. You know? And maybe not maybe not operate it in terms of like firing. Um, in my opinion, but it's a it's a sticky situation, you know, because, again, what if the kid's by himself at home, you know, right. and I've seen situations where a kid knew how to use a gun, was able to use it and saved his life.
1: Wow, you know these are these are really interesting things that you've brought up, and I'm glad Jordan was part of this conversation, Chandra, because I think it's good to hear it from both sides and it's even the dialogue that we've had here. It's um, it's civil, it's understanding. we're trying to hear it from different points of view. And so this is exactly what I think our audience needs to hear when we're talking about guns. So I appreciate the time that you've taken to talk to us about it and um, it gives us a lot of things to think about. It was enlightening to talk with Chandra and her son for several reasons. One is that I often struggle to understand the need for a gun. Jordan helped us understand that he felt the need for a gun to protect himself, something he and his mom disagreed about. The two of them had to bridge a gap in understanding about guns. And I think it is obvious that Jordan has moved out of fear and into a place of reckoning. He understands why he feels it necessary to own a gun, and he knows what it takes to own one responsibly. He also has developed an affinity for guns as a hobby. His mom has come to terms with that through healthy dialogue with her son. Well, that was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, to think about those conversations that Jordan and his mom were having.
0: It took a lot of courage, both to do the things and then to come back and tell the story about them. And, you know, even though it was about a mother and a son, a grown Mm -hmm. son... Uh, the same kinds of things that they're talking about apply to grandparents, right? And, and he mentioned, you know, the issue with with kids. There, right at the end, you know, we're moving to a place where I think we're going to be confronted with guns in maybe more in different ways, and we may be having some gun talks. I mean, living in uh, in in what was the colonial capital of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeps the Second Amendment kind of alive in memory all the time.
1: Yeah, right at the forefront. I mean, every time you visit Colonial Williamsburg, every time you visit Jamestown, every time you visit those areas, they're talking about guns.
0: There's militia that are marching. Sometimes there are demonstrations with uh, firearms of the day. Yeah. So, you know, between the politics of that part of the country, the uh, increasing polarization that we're all dealing with, uh, you know, the birthplace of the, of the American revolution in a sense, right? Yeah. Being right there. Yeah. I think we're going to have some gun talks.
1: Yeah, I agree. And we would love to hear what you have to think about guns. Um, you can always write us at grandlifeconnection at com,
0: And you can give us a phone call and leave voicemail at 317- Five seven two seven eight seven six, And let us know if we can use your comments on the air. That'd be great.
1: Yeah. And I might put something up on Facebook asking a couple questions. So please participate if you have a chance.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this uh, revisit to a past episode. We're going to do this another week or two uh, because we got our hands full.
1: Yep. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan.
0: And I'm Mike Morgan.
1: And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life.
0: Next time on The Grand Life.
1: Change is a precipitant because it shakes up the patterns. The human brain uh, doesn't want to have to think continuously of what am I doing next? When the patterns get shaken up, you take time out. You go, whoa, now what? 60 is probably the first time in life where you have enough space to actually think about, oh, what do I do now? Whether it's change or whether it's just age that leads to the opening up of of new possibilities, which for some people is very exciting and other people it's terrifying.
0: That's next time on The Grand Life.